and I think we, st- we have a lot to learn. The scientific uh, community has a lot to learn from, from our community. Maybe we're saying one help, but you know, they already have that understanding that it's important that we live in harmony with nature. Hello, and welcome to Contain This. I'm Dr. Francette Dusan, Senior One Health Advisor at the Indo-Pacific Centre for Health Security. This week, we continue our analysis of One Health, bringing you another discussion from the World One Health Congress in Singapore. Dr. Sala Nieta Saketa, Senior Epidemiologist in the Public Health Division of the Pacific Community, or SPC, discusses how One Health approaches are being advanced in the Pacific. We explore how approaches vary in different Pacific country contexts, the importance of the application of a One Health approach to non-communicable diseases, and what needs to be done to strengthen One Health in the region. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Good morning, Dr. Sala, and I really appreciate you joining us here today at the World One Health Congress. Um, If we'd like, uh, just to start off, I think it's great if you could introduce yourself um, for the audience. I'm uh, Dr. Salah Saketa and uh, a public health uh, physician and also medical epidemiologist and currently working with the Surveillance Preparedness and Response Program uh, with the Public Health Division of uh, the Pacific Community. Thank you so much. And Dr. Salah, why does the One Health approach resonate with you? as we all know, almost uh, 75% of uh, newly emerging infections are from uh, uh, animal to man or zoonotics. Uh, and so we need to engage uh, uh, animal health uh, people and also uh, environmental uh, health people. Uh, and so we, in the public health uh, uh, sector, are just handling those uh, issues and those emerging uh, problems. Uh, I think we won't be able to effectively tackle them uh, if we were uh, engaging other important sectors, as, as I've alluded to. That's all about really partnerships and collaboration, utilising each other's knowledge bases to um, uh, make it easier for everyone and, and have a more successful outcome. Really. Indeed, indeed. When we're talking about the One Health uh, approach, really it's just about that. It's about uh, collaboration, uh, coordination uh, and communication. Uh, I think those are the three important C's uh, when we talk about uh, yeah, using the One Health approach. How do you see the One Health approach or One Health priorities differing in different country contexts? Um, you're yourself are uh, working in the um, Pacific Community Office at the moment um, and you have your own country uh, context and background. but. Uh, yeah, what, what factors do you think affect the different priorities in different countries? Just to, uh, to go backtrack a bit and just to give you uh, our background and a context to how uh, we are enhancing or advancing the One Health approach uh, within the region. So way back in 2018, uh, we held our first uh, consultative meeting on One Health. And one of the important uh, objectives of this meeting was uh, not only bringing the different sectors together onto the same table and into the same room, but also asking the countries to come in with their priorities of what issues uh, or diseases that they wish to address uh, using the One Health. So there was differing um, uh, you know, priorities uh, identified by countries, but one that seems to be uh, a common across most countries was uh, vector-borne diseases 
you know, addressing dengue fever, uh, chikungunya, and uh, and Zika. Many of the countries have suffered from dengue fever for many many years, but uh, chikungunya and Zika uh, were really uh, newly emerging uh, diseases or arboviral diseases within within the region. So yeah, so many that was quite common across all countries, uh, but then other countries, particularly like Fiji. For example, uh, prioritize the antimicrobial resistance. You know, they considered uh, antimicrobial resistance as a really uh, an important issue that they wish to tackle, uh, and they think that you know using the One Health approach because they need to engage with you know animal health sector, with the uh, private sector, um, and also with the environment uh, sector and academia in terms of how best they can address antimicrobial. Resistance. Uh, uh, one country, um, uh, particularly, um, uh, you know, in our recent uh, work, is uh, with the uh, Samoa is that they are addressing uh, zoonotic disease amongst uh, animals, uh, and so zoonotic disease surveillance uh, is an issue uh, or something that they wish to strengthen uh, going forward in the use of One Health approach. So countries came up uh, with the priorities. We used some tools to, to identify what their priorities were uh, and how uh, then we would advance that. And so subsequently, we've had other meetings, particularly the Pacific Public Health Surveillance Net Network meetings in 2019 and now here this year in 2020. Uh, we, and of course, uh, with our uh, support through the uh, uh, phase two of uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic response uh, with the Pacific um, uh, JMT, uh, we have been able to obtain some funding from the EU uh, and uh, work uh, with five countries targeting their priorities uh, using the One Health approach. So Fiji is now advancing the, the, the work around antimicrobial resistance um, while stronger with uh, vector-borne disease uh, surveillance uh, using an integrated uh, approach uh, and of course Samoa is using uh, zoonosis uh, surveillance uh, uh, amongst uh, their animal uh, health sector. Thank you so much Dr Sala and I really like how you've sort of outlined how important it is for countries to have their own um, priorities and drivers and motivations to make that coming together collaboration work for them. Do you see any particular differences in what, say, the Pacific wants to work on with um, some of the other regions that have been represented at the World One Health Congress today? Do you see any differences or do you feel it's, it's still quite similar in terms of um, how people are coming together and what um, priority uh, diseases make sense for them to work on or issues such as antimicrobial resistance? One of the key uh, takeaways which I have is uh, the need to uh, um, raise capacity. Um, uh, people, you know, what their term is, uh, One Health practitioners, I like that term. One Health practitioners uh, within a uh, uh, country. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that is quite lacking in the Pacific. Uh, in the way we've been taught uh, for, for human health, we've gone to medical school and we've been taught what we have been taught. Same also for, for vets, vets and, and also for environmental health. So they've been taught in their own solid uh, um, uh, training institutions. And so uh, what I would wish to see, uh, and from the experiences that I've heard from other countries, uh, to see uh, all the different sectors coming together, uh, or if they, you know, even if they're being trained, uh, that they bring in the One Health lens into their training and to ensure that as they come out, 
uh, and w I think the ideal thing would be to bring it down into uh, primary school, into secondary school, even the idea around uh, uh, One Health as a new generation of, uh, of uh, Pacific Island people uh, coming out, uh, they, they have a fair understanding of what that means, One Health. And I think that's something that uh, yeah, we need to raise uh, within uh, not only the professional sectors in animal health, human health, environment, but also uh, even within the community, as we saw uh, also in many of the uh, presentations that were made, uh, generally it is the women or the children, you know, they're in the cold face up front uh, who are facing daily the risks that are associated with uh, spillover events and other uh, being exposed to uh, agents, microbial agents um, that could uh, harm them. And so we need to engage them in all these uh, discourse. And, and so I guess that's my second point about the importance of community engagement. So it's just really key also in, in the way we want to advance One Health. So not just with professionals, uh, with technical people, but it's also important to engage the community. Uh, so they should understand what it means, uh, what if we ask someone on the street or someone in the village, uh, we're talking about One Health, they really uh, should have some understanding of what that means. In an Australian <coughs> Indigenous context, we have a very strong, um, it's called connection to country. Um, is, does that exist within the Pacific Island countries, it, it, you know, this sort of a ancient approach, if you like, to understanding that we're all interconnected with our land and spaces and I think this is one of the issues that's coming with climate change as well, you know, impacting people's homes and that sense of we live in a safe place. Um, is that that idea, I guess, of, of care for country or connection to country, do you see that in the Pacific Island countries as a... Um, a basis for some of these uh, community discussions on One Health? Yeah, I think it is the same. I think uh, uh, you know, what happens in the indigenous uh, population uh, in Australia, I think it's similar to what is uh, also in the Pacific. You know, many of the landowners uh, are still uh, uh, indigenous people within the Pacific, at least for Fiji. We have 90% uh, are still traditionally owned uh, land. And so the, our ancestors and, and our mothers and grandfathers and grandmothers, you know, they understood what it means to, to be good stewards of this land uh, and what the trees and, and also the, the forest and what's in the sea or what's in the river, uh, they, yeah, they understand how important it is to be uh, good stewards of that. And I think we, st we have a lot to learn. The scientific uh, community has a lot to learn from, from our community. Maybe we're saying one help, but you know they already have that understanding that it's important that we live in harmony with nature, with the, the animals that we uh, that live around us. Um, and, and maybe you know they don't fully understand uh, that you know some of these animals um, you know could could be uh, you know the vectors for, for, for some of the microbial agents that could be harmful to them. But uh, I think they've come a long way. For example, in Fiji, uh, we've had cycles of uh, outbreaks of um, typhoid fever, and that uh, those have been uh, mainly uh, occurring, uh, you know, post-cyclones, tropical cyclones, uh, flash flooding events, uh, or adverse weather events, when everyone relates that to, you know, climate change and what's happening uh, uh, around us now. So, um, uh, and, and many of them, you know, have been taught 
and same also for leptospirosis have been taught how you know that these are caused by a microbial agents and often it's because of the interaction with contaminated water or with contaminated food or inadequate sanitation or hygiene uh, that often can uh, uh, lead to transmission of this infection. So, so they already understand that uh, I think, I, I want to think that, that the community have some understanding that your risk of getting leptospirosis, for example, uh, would be if you're interacting with, uh, uh, with either with animals directly or you are swimming in, in flooded waters that may be contaminated with infected urine of animals. So, yeah, so that understanding uh, that, that animals, of course, you know, we have to be just be careful with our interaction with animals and with uh, water and all that because they could also be vehicles for transmission of diseases. That's a really great example to give of um, you know, the particular country context. I think that's very helpful. Um, so since COVID-19, there's been a much greater acceptance, I think, of the One Health approach to particularly infectious diseases and um, pandemic prevention, preparedness and response. But how do you see application as an approach to other issues such as non-communicable diseases? One Health is just as is it quite uh, applicable for infectious disease, it is the same also in uh, when we want to address non-communicable disease and you know that uh, still is the major burden of disease uh, in Pacific Island population. Uh, the fact that we you know we have uh, high uh, prevalence of diabetes and, and uh, obesity uh, and other uh, non-communicable diseases. One Health approach uh, you know resonates and, and and is quite applicable uh, in in addressing or tackling non-communicable disease because it, it's basically uh, a multi-sectoral approach or transdisciplinary approach in trying to address a problem. Yeah, and we know that for non-communicable disease, uh, we in the health sector cannot handle that alone because many of the risk factors associated with non-communicable disease in the region are associated with food you know, with the kind of food that we are uh, consuming. And we know that more and more of our population are consuming uh, processed food uh, and less, you know, with a more healthier uh, food. And so, which means we have to engage with people who uh, manufacture this food and who produce this food. Uh, and also in terms of trade and all those other aspects of food systems. Um, uh, and so we need to engage with other sectors in how best uh, we can address uh, non-communicable disease uh, uh, risks. So, yeah. So it's. I think it's it's quite relevant for, for not only for infectious disease uh, control and response, but also uh, for non-communicable diseases. Thank you so much. That was a really good example. Again, um, I was struck uh, by when doing some work in Fiji about um, the. Um, the, the government's strategy for, for not just health, but the health and wellness concept. Would you like to talk a little bit more about how, uh, I guess, Fiji sees the wellness as being just as important as, as health? Yeah, uh, yes, I think uh, that's one of the, you know, the key things about uh, uh, wellness. I guess it goes back then to about, you know, prevention. And we've heard a lot of that too in this uh, One uh, Health Congress, the importance of investing in prevention. So again, prevention is better than cure. And I think that's why uh, the Fiji government and also the Fiji Ministry of Health uh, you know, is going that way in trying to uh, encourage wellness 
rather than you know uh, addressing the diseases that that people are having and so when so there's a bit more investment in terms of uh, for example we talked about a non-communicable disease so we will talk about wellness it means you know making sure that those who don't have the disease you know don't have the, uh, maintain that uh, and live a more healthy lifestyle and so you know making sure looking at the kind of food that they use, uh, they're consuming, uh, making sure that they have access to healthy uh, food, and the same also in terms of you know maintaining their weight and making sure they have access to exercise, and so there you know a lot of things in terms of policy, uh, and also in terms of um, uh, infrastructure that needs to be uh, put in place to ensure that you know it, it's an enabling environment that people uh, can have to be able to maintain that well-being. So it'll be the same also, I guess, for other, any other, uh, whether it be infectious disease or, or any other issue that they are address or, or they think is a priority uh, with that notion of you know, well-being. I think that's the way uh, it is. You've mentioned already a little bit of what you've taken home from yeah. the conference, but I, I might just ask something that struck you as a little bit concerning in the conference um, and something that gave you hope. Here we talk about uh, a One Health uh, and a multi-sectoral uh, collaboration. I thought what was concerning to me uh, uh, was uh, uh, the sort of lack of participation uh, from the um, uh, private sector. I didn't see that quite uh, come out. Uh, there was a bit you know, around uh, environmental uh, health from the eco-health uh, um, uh, movement, but I think also that maybe there's an area that we need to get more evidence around uh, in terms of how uh, environment and, and maintaining the environment uh, uh, really uh, helps uh, in addressing issues uh, that countries uh, uh, grapple with. So I think, uh, and and for the Pacific, that's that's really important, you know, because our environment is still, you know, we still uh, have lots of issues uh, uh, in terms of uh, our environment uh, in our risks uh, uh, to many of the you know the things that we uh, we are tackling with in uh, both for infectious disease and also for non-communicable uh, disease uh, and so we would really like to see uh, you know some of the best practices or some of the you know evidence that's out there that it really helped uh, in terms of how we can address the, some of these issues, uh, you know, with environmental uh, interventions. But what uh, really uh, also is quite encouraging to me, it, you know, just that to see, uh, you know, that there is a will to engage from the, from the various sectors uh, in addressing issues, uh, you know, whether it be a country level or regional or at a global level. Uh, and so I think the will is there. So there's a will, there's a way. Uh, and so also apart from that, I can see also that, um, you know, in terms of financing, because that's also one of the things that's coming out quite uh, clearly, the need to invest. And uh, so, you know, it was pleasing to see, you know, how World Bank is, 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 uh, has been really quite actively engaged uh, in this space of One Health, others including uh, DFAT. Uh, the Australian government is quite, uh, uh, you know, very much uh, um, investing in this uh, area as well. 
and I hope there'll be more philanthropics in also in the Pacific uh, who'll be willing to support uh, you know the, our issues in the Pacific region. So. Yeah, that was encouraging to me. There's certainly a, sort of a global push, regional push. Um, within Fiji itself, do you think that you have um, the national support um, and that uh, to, to, to go forward in the One Health area and um, you know, there'll be national investment in this as well? Yes, uh, I think so. Uh, even though that's kind of, you know, One Health, you know, coming out explicit, in the policies uh, or even in the, in the regulation or the action plans of uh, various sectors. But I think it's already there because, uh, uh, you know, like for example, when, when we respond to, to the disasters, you know, natural disasters that have, uh, we've uh, suffered through, you know, tropical cyclones and floods and, and all that, it's always been a multi-sectoral and, uh, you know, response. So they're familiar with that, you know, and that uh, in order to be able to address that, uh, we need every sector to come on board. Uh, and be able to to do their bit. So it's really just saying, you know, that's that's how it is we, for One Health. So if you wish to address uh, whether it be leptospirosis or non-communicable disease, the setup is already there. It's just a uh, matter of just, uh, you know, maybe using the term One Health. And so it's a, you know, this is it. This is a One Health approach, being multi-sectoral. But of course, you need to have uh, make sure that you know the policies. Uh, the goals, uh, you know, we have to have a common goal, common objective, and also uh, the funding that needs to support that, that work. Just being able to have access, uh, you know, for every sector to have access to that funding is also key. Fantastic. Thank you so much. You've been listening to a conversation with Dr. Sala Nieta Saketa on how One Health approaches are being implemented in the Pacific. Contain This aims to bring you fresh insights, analyses and updates on what is shaping the future of global health in our region. I'm Dr. Francis Desan, and we look forward to having your company on the next episode. Contain This is produced by the Indo-Pacific Centre for Health Security. We acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of country throughout Australia and the Indo-Pacific region. We recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and community and pay our respects to elders past and present. You can follow us on Twitter at Centre Health Sec.